So, Sandra, um, you've got ordained, but you're not running a church. No. Instead, you're, um, you're working for the Bible Society. Well, why did you choose to do that? Why, why the Bible Society? I think Bible Society is really foundational to all mission work, so it's kind of a major to all of missions, so it's very exciting to do that. And we're married to a vicar, so it's been very difficult to close to the business, so it works really well. So, um, foundational for everything else, um, working right across the world, actually, there's a good little, um, uh, little description of what uh, the Bible Society is doing here. And wanted to look at that later. Um, <clears throat> working right across the world to bring the Bible, oh, I think uh, it says, um, uh, we believe that when, whoops, got that, got that one wrong, um, to bring the Bible to life for every man, woman and child. That's that right. right. Okay. Yes, that's so, right. so if that's the plan, what's, what's happening uh, in order to help that happen? What's the most exciting project that you're uh, involved in? The well, all the projects are really exciting, but the one I Good went answer. to see last okay. was in China, where right. I spent um, a couple of weeks in China visiting some of our projects there, and actually handing out Bibles to people who have been Christians all their lives and never had a Bible of their own before. So, Can you just tell, oh. give us a sense of that? Um, tell us a story of a moment. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll, I'll be showing oh, okay. that a bit later when I, when I speak, actually, some of the lovely people that we met. Bible or your ministry, um, Bible ministry faces around the Bible. What, what challenges does the Bible face or getting the Bible to people? Well, there are 7,000 languages in the world and over half of them still don't have even one of the Bible. That's, so that's a huge a challenge. challenge. Um, and if you pair that up with a huge challenge that we're facing of the demand for the Bible, um, especially with our work on refugees, that uh, in the refugee camps that we're working in, we cannot keep up with the demand of Bibles. And I think, especially Syrian refugees that are fleeing over, where we were, um, a lot of them being cared for in Austria, and we work in the camps there. And there's an unprecedented demand for the Bible, so we just need to be able so to. So people have left everything behind, and they're really yeah. wanting as they come to their new home. In their heart language, yeah. yeah, something from their home. Fantastic. Will bring hope to their situation. And what's the biggest challenge that you, the Bible Society, are facing in all of that? How can we be praying yeah. for you and supporting you? Well, it's meeting that demand. I mean, the demand's flooding in. We, we work in nearly every country in the world, and each of those countries come into a central place with their projects, and then Bible societies like ours that can fund some of those projects. We have the really difficult job of saying, well, look, we'll, we'd love to fund this one and this one and this one, but we can't fund them all, so we would just love to grow uh, so that we can do even more around the world, because all of, all of the work happens for our supporters. A huge thank you to the Jews uh, for partnering with us in the well, we're doing. Well, thank you for doing that work and allowing us to partner with you. Um, we're going to hear scripture now. Thank you, Sandra. And then Sandra will come and share God's word with us. So, uh, after this week. page 
page 1024 in the Church Bibles. Page 1024, it's Mark chapter 16, starting at verse 9. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and told those who'd been with him who were mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she... I'm sure the next one's going to be even better. <laughs> Acts 2, 36, 41. Do you know, I can't read the date. That was May the 1st. <laughs> Sorry about that, everybody. So, this time, it's page 1094 in the Church Bibles. Page 1094, I am sorry. Thank you, Jip. So it's taken from Acts chapter 2, and it starts at verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand for the Gospel. If you would like to follow it in the Church Bible, it can be found on page 1089. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John, chapter 20, verses 19 to 23. Glory to you, O Lord. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. 
If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your word to us. And we pray this morning that we would have open ears to hear and open hearts to receive your word today. Amen. Please be seated. I wanted to begin by saying a huge thank you for inviting me um, along this morning to speak to you, to share a little bit about what's happening around the world that you're helping to make happen through your support. Um, I look after um, our churches in the South and West. I look after our festivals programme. So I hope to see some of you at New Wine um, in the summer. Um, and so it's great to be quite near to home because I live in Dorset and Wimborne. So just up the road for me this morning. And, and I'm going to be sharing a little bit this morning about how the, the difference that you are making as you join with us on, uh, in this global mission, working in 200 countries, at bringing the Bible to life for every man, woman, and child. And we do that because we believe that when people engage with the Bible, with God's word, their lives can change for good. And I'm going to share a few of those stories with you this morning. But before we begin, I have um, a short advert for you. And I just want you to look out for the very last line that comes up at the end of the advert. So if we can get that going. Very good advert, isn't it? You've got to feel sorry for the man. But I don't know if you notice at the very end, the little line that comes up at the end, it says, coffee, changing your everyday life. I think, really? Coffee? So, well, and we're going to turn to Acts, and we're going to find out actually how everyday lives really are changed through the power of the Spirit. So I'm going to be looking at the reading we had this morning, Acts 2, at 36 to 41. Now, um, next week we're going to be celebrating Pentecost. So um, this is the bit that comes just after Pentecost. So um, you'll be rewinding a bit um, next week. Um, so what's happened in this passage, um, the crowds have come to Jerusalem. The place is absolutely buzzing with people. They've all come to celebrate the festival of Pentecost. And Jews from all over the world will have come. And they're probably all gathered on the Temple Mount because it's the only place big enough to take all of those people. But while this is going on, this small group of followers is waiting together. They're all huddled up and very afraid um, in a room. And they're not really sure what's happening. And then the Holy Spirit descends upon them. 
and uh, they, they, they're changed immediately. The tongues of fire light on them, there's a big wind, and out they go, start speaking in different languages. And um, people are amazed when they see them speaking because some are from other countries, they can understand what they're saying, um, but other people think that they're drunk. Then Peter stands up to preach. This is the very first sermon of the Christian church uh, and a great model for any sermon writer because the sermon concentrated on Jesus, it was grounded in scripture, and it was short. So maybe I'll try and be short this morning. And uh, the response to that very first sermon, 3,000 people repent, are baptized, and they receive the Holy Spirit, and the church is born. Amazing. So um, I just want to spend a few moments thinking about the three things that we read about here that fueled that first church, the birth of the church. Well, the first thing is that those people there repented. The first thing they did was to turn around from their old lives to this new life. Now, uh, when I was in Swindon uh, the week before last, we went out um, for a farewell meal for one of my colleagues, and I was driving everyone in my car. And as I came back to Bible Society offices, I went the wrong way round a roundabout and went completely the wrong way. So if we bring up the next slide, I don't know if any of you have been on the magic roundabout in Swindon. It's this, it's like six or seven roundabouts all in one. I've attempted it a couple of times. Well, I wasn't on this roundabout, but I was on another one. And as I went off in the wrong direction, I just had no idea how I was going to get back to where I was meant to be. Swindon, is, there's lots of roundabouts in Swindon. Um, but fortunately, I had my colleague next to me, and he lives in Swindon. So he said, it's okay if we go turn around at the next roundabout, we can find our way back to where we're meant to be going. Now, Peter tells us that because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, we can now turn back. We can leave behind those things that we're a slave to that lead to sin, and we can find our way to freedom and new life. We can start going in the right direction. And um, if I'd have used a sat-nav, of course, that would have um, helped me go in the right direction. But um, Peter's saying here, just turn around and you'll find yourself going in the right direction. So his first followers repented, and it was kind of sealed with baptism. Now, uh, those first followers that were coming there for Pentecost, before they could go into, uh, they were Jews, before they could go into the temple to worship, they would have had to have gone through a ritual cleansing. And in the next picture, you'll see uh, what they used to go in. This is a mikvah. And uh, they'd have to go in one side down the staircase, go through the waters for cleansing, and back up the other side. So it's this literal turning around as they were cleansed. And so uh, these mikvahs were all the way around the Temple Mount. And so as all these followers, these 3,000 wanted to get baptised, more than likely they would have all gone into these mikvahs where they would have gone in one side, turned around and come out. And it's then that the Spirit entered the believers, just as the Spirit did at Jesus' baptism, to give the power to go in the right direction, to keep going in that right direction once they're turned round. And as I said, if I'd had the sat-nav, I would have uh, found my right way when I was in Swindon. And the spirit is a little bit like that sat-nav. It kind of reconfigures us. It kind of helps us to find the right way back. We can't do it on our own. We need the power of the spirit to help us do that. 
Uh, Paul tells us in his letter to the Galatians, we'll see that in the next slide, if we live by the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature, for the sinful nature um, desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Sorry, this is another reading that we see on the front there where the choir are. Uh, It's the Spirit that makes us turn around, that helps us keep on the right road. Um, But the Spirit empowers the church to do its work as well. Uh, This reading from Acts 1, uh, uh, we hear this. When you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, when it comes on you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit empowers us to change. It empowers the church to do its work, to share the good news with the world. Well, we've been empowered to spread that good news. And a huge thank you for partnering with us in sharing uh, the gospel around the world. And I just want to share with you some of the ways that we're doing that together, some of the things that you've helped to make happen. Uh, We're on a global mission, uh, working in 200 countries, bringing the Bible to life for every man, woman, and child, because we believe when people engage with the Bible, their lives can change for good. So uh, what we're trying to do is to focus in some key areas. Um, uh, Though we're working in many, many countries around the world, we're focusing our efforts in four areas. The first is our own country, where there's a huge need for the Bible, where people largely are indifferent. Uh, We work in China, where there's just an enormous growth in Christianity and need for the Bible. We work in Africa, particularly um, in those places that need our help most, places like South Sudan, where we have our newest Bible society. And we work in the Middle East, where we um, believe that the Bible offers a real alternative to extremism and hope as well, especially with all the refugees that we're serving at the moment. So I'm just going to say a little bit about um, each of those areas. The first is our own country. Um, So if we bring up the next slide, we'll see what you may have seen in the newspapers a little while ago. Um, We did a survey to find out how how much people knew about the Bible. We discovered that 30% of 15-year-olds didn't know that the nativity story comes from the Bible. And we also discovered that one in four adults thought that Harry Potter and Superman were in the Bible, which is shocking isn't it? That is very scary. But we also discovered that 80% of parents um, who are not churchgoers um, wanted to pass on Bible stories to their children. And so we produced uh, lots of different resources, um, uh, Bible bedtime apps. You might see some books on the table at the back, pass it on books. And we work with Open the Book, sending in teams to schools all around the country. Um, So there's lots of work going on, but I just wanted to talk about one project that we did recently. If we bring on, uh, come on to the next slide, this is our media team working. They're always trying to work in the media at flagging up stories that the media will be interested in. So what we did is we um, asked a vicar, a church leader in Wiltshire, if he would go into Reading uh, City Centre and... um, what he did, he, you can see a photograph in here. I'll, sh- I'll show a film if you come to the lunch and we have the opportunity to see a film. Um, what we did is we asked him to ask passers-by if he could borrow their mobile phone. 
Okay, and most people did. And then what we did is we put him into makeup and we dressed him up as someone who's living rough on the streets. And he asked people the very same question. And you can imagine the response that he had. And in fact, the only three people that would let him use their phone were people who we might describe as uh, people who are the other. Because what we were trying to do was think about the story of the Good Samaritan, where people uh, would help. Where are Christian values of helping others? And, um, you know, it's the Samaritan uh, that helped, the Good Samaritan. And the Samaritan was the other, was the person whose society uh, didn't like. And so it's very interesting. Uh, What happened is most of the newspapers um, reported these findings about the Good Samaritan Project. And we also got onto Good Morning Britain. We had a nine-minute slot, primetime TV. And we even got Piers Morgan to say the word Bible. So we were very excited about that. So uh, that's just uh, a little bit of uh, things that we're doing in our own country. But what about overseas? So we're going to turn to Africa how we bring the Bible to Africa, how do, what does that look like? Uh, well, if you see the next picture, um, I was in Ethiopia a few years ago, and one of the things we did was to go to a local prison to give out Luke's Gospels, and you'll see us giving, giving them out here in the picture behind you. And um, there was one young man who received his Gospel, and he immediately went outside because he wanted to read it to his friend. His friend couldn't read. So they sat, out, they sat outside in this rough uh, screech yard outside, and he started reading the gospel to his friend. And as he read the gospel to his friend, this whole crowd of prisoners drew round and sat down to listen to him speaking. And um, I stayed behind afterwards and spoke to a few of the prisoners, and uh, many of them were telling me that when they came into prison, they had no hope at all. They had no future ahead of them. But now they said, now that they know Jesus, they found Jesus through being able to have Bibles that they can read in their heart language. Um, uh, One prisoner, I think he he was in for murder, and he said to me, when I get back to my village, I'm going to tell people about Jesus and how he's changed my life and how I have hope in my life. So we were uh, very moved by the people we met there. So that's Africa. We're bringing the Bible to life in the Middle East. And as as I said, there's a huge demand for Bibles, particularly among the refugees. And we believe the Bible is a real alternative to offer over there to fundamentalism uh, that's happening. But let me tell you about when I went to visit um, Beirut. Um, This was a couple of years ago as well. In the next picture, you'll see a lovely little girl that I met. This is Susu. Now, Susu is a Muslim She's seven years old, and she was born without any eyes. And um, uh, the chap next to her, he used to work for Bible Society in Lebanon, and then he left a little while ago to set up this project in Beirut where he drives around in a van every morning and gathers up um, children who are disabled, who are blind, and brings them back to his day centre where he teaches them to read Braille, he teaches them to play musical instruments, and he teaches them about Jesus. And uh, in this picture here, Susu is singing to us. They've all been playing their instruments and singing. Susu is singing to us, once I was blind, but now I can see, because I know that Jesus loves me. So we were all in tears. Susu is still a Muslim. She goes back every day to a Muslim family, but she knows Jesus. And um, in 
Beirut and other places like that, when people come to faith from Muslim background, they're called MBBs, that's Muslim background believers. So they can still remain within their culture, but they know Jesus in their hearts. So amazing things happening there. And so finally, China. We're bringing the Bible to life in China. And amazing work happening there. I was just bowled over when I went. In the next slide, you'll see the latest figures. Reckon one million people came to faith last year alone in China. But I'm sure many of you will know during the Cultural Revolution in the late uh, 60s, early 70s, uh, the Bible was banned. People couldn't have a Bible, they couldn't go to church. Uh, pastors were imprisoned, you couldn't train for ministry. And so there's a real shortage of pastors and Bibles in China. But the good news is that in 1987, we were able to open up the world's largest Bible printing press. In the next slide, you'll see it's absolutely enormous. So the government uh, gave us the land, and in fact, most of the workers were um, employed by the government to do this, so we work in partnership with them. And uh, we have the capacity now to produce one Bible every second in China. And um, what I really love is the first Bible printing press that we had there was the same Bible printing press that printed Chairman Mao's Little Red Book. And now it's printing the Bible. Yes, so that's really, really good. Um, but when we were there, like I said earlier, we went on some distribution projects. So you'll see in the next picture, uh, this is the second church we went to. And uh, I was at the front handing out the Bibles to give to our friends to hand out uh, to those who wanted them. And when uh, our brothers and sisters there realized that I was running out of Bibles, there's what I can only describe was a Bible stampede. And they all surged to the front. I was crushed at the front. And when I got back to my room that night, I counted 20 bruises on my legs where I was crushed. And I really didn't mind because what it showed us really was the desperation of our brothers and sisters in China to have a Bible of their own. The next slide you'll see a lovely lady we met, Yan Yu Hua. She's 78 years old. She's been a Christian all her life. And this is the first Bible that she received that morning. Um, many of us were in tears, as I'm sure you can imagine. So I just really wanted to finish by saying a huge thank you. Uh, you'll see on the next slide, um, together we're making a difference for people around the world. People's lives are changing as they come to know Jesus through having a Bible where they can discover who Jesus is and grow in their faith. Um, so a huge thank you to St. Jude's for helping us in that work. The gospel is still the same as when those first believers heard it on the day of Pentecost. God's power is still the same. The Spirit still comes in the same power. And people still need rescuing. There are many people who still don't need, know Jesus around the world. So it's up to us, isn't it, to do something about it through our mission work, both locally and around the world. So I have one more thing to show you, uh, which is our book club with a difference, which some of you I'm sure are members of already. It's Bible a month. Uh, five pounds a, a month is enough to put a Bible into the hands of somebody every month. So if you'd like to do that, there's some of these leaflets um, on the table at the back with a bringing the Bible to life leaflet, which gives you an overview of the work you'll be supporting. So if you want to do that, do take one of those and other bits and pieces on the desk um, out the back. I don't think we've got time for the last film. So have we got two minutes to show the beginning, the next film, or we're we running out?
we need to move on. So uh, hopefully I'll show it in the next uh, service or maybe over lunch if you're able to come to that. So shall I finish with a prayer? Lord, we do want to thank you again for the gift of your word to us. Thank you, Lord, for lives changed around the world as people come to know you. Lord, we pray that you would use us, use me, to further your kingdom, to share the good news with those around me, that your kingdom would grow here on earth. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.